Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Sustainability Issue Podcast with me, Desi, your host. Diamonds are a girl's best friend, they say. But by now I think we all know and we have heard about the harmful consequences diamond production has on the environment and on the humans who are involved in the mining and the production process. So today I'm talking diamonds with the founders of Ether. Ether is the world's first positive impact and truly sustainable diamond company. Diamonds are alchemized from air and handset in responsibly sourced materials. I have Ryan Sherman, the co-founder and CEO of Ether with me. He's a mechanical engineer turned entrepreneur with a background in material science and over 10 years of experience in jewelry and tech. Early in his career, Ryan joined David Yurman as one of the first hires in their men's team, where he specialized in the development and introduction of new product collections. His work touched everything from design through large-scale production and he was responsible for overseeing the development of some of the brand's most iconic and commercially successful collections. Ryan transitioned to the tech world in 2013 when he founded his first startup, Fusar, a direct-to-consumer brand that developed tech-enabled safety products for the motorcycle market. As a founder and CEO of Ether, he combines his passions for technology and jewelry with his personal mission to help solve the climate crisis. In his free time, Ryan can be found riding his motorcycle, teaching his dog new tricks and spending time with his family. I also have Dan Voino, the COO of Ether, with me. Dan has more than a decade of experience in jewelry manufacturing and product development. Dan's jewelry career has taken him around the globe, but started in New York City, also working for David Yurman. There, he worked closely with Mr. Yurman to bring his designs to life and developed the 10 million Labyrinth collection, David Yurman's largest to date. After three years in the New York headquarters, Dan moved to Bangkok to set up David Yurman's Asia operations. After his time at David Yurman, Dan has served as director of advanced quality with Pandora in Bangkok, where he managed an international team of 60 and was responsible for the success of all new product launches. Dan was tapped to be the head of group quality at Pandora at their global headquarters in Copenhagen afterwards. He holds a master's of engineering and management from Case Western Reserve University and the bachelor's in mechanical engineering from Marquette University. After almost seven years abroad, Dan is thrilled to be back in the US with his wife and dog and welcoming his first child in 2021. Hi and welcome Dan and Ryan. Hi, thanks Hello. for having us. Yes. Um, so I'd like to start with um, your story because I like um, asking for stories. So please tell us a little bit more about yourselves 
how did you get to where you are now, finding founding the world's first carbon negative diamond company? So the two of us first met uh, while we were working for David Yerman back in New York City, roughly ten years ago. Uh, we had always stayed in touch. You know, we built a good personal relationship while we were coworkers, and our career paths had gone on to diverge. And I think I, uh, I put up a very cryptic post on Facebook uh, asking some questions of uh, people who, who follow me on Facebook and Dan reached out and uh, we started having some conversations around the industry, uh, lab grown diamonds, sustainability, you know, kind of all the new trends that we were seeing. And uh, in 2018, about three years ago, uh, we had this idea, you know, carbon is warming our planet. Carbon is not inherently good or bad. There's this ever-present form of carbon in our atmosphere. And after all, that's you know the same carbon that makes up diamonds, which we know and love. What if there was an opportunity to extract this harmful form of carbon and transform it into a beautiful, valuable form of carbon? You know, surely there might be uh, an opportunity there if we could make that science work. So that's what set us down the path of making diamonds from thin air. That's amazing. And we all know the phrase diamonds are a girl's best friend, but in fact, I think many people by now have probably, you know, seen the movie Blood Diamond and they know um, that traditionally mined diamonds often come with the price of exploiting people in poverty, um, even children and mining them can cause environmental devastation to our waters and our land. So can you talk a little bit about um, what's the price of mine diamonds? Yeah, and that's where, you know, exactly what you've said. Uh, mine diamonds come with a significant environmental toll. And that's where we hope to kind of turn that paradigm on its head. And we want diamonds to be the world's best friend, not only a girl's best friend. So, um, you know, in order to extract diamonds from the earth, imagine if your living room was torn out of the earth every time you wanted a one, a one carat diamond. That's the amount of earth that you would need to remove just for that one carat diamond. So besides the environmental impact, sometimes people are displaced, um, CO2 is released. So all of these things are what goes into a mine diamond. Yeah, absolutely. And then Thanks to that and thanks to this um, becoming more common knowledge, we have seen an increase in lab-grown diamonds in the recent um, decade, which are basically the same as traditional diamonds. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the state, state of the industry right now? And because I'm sure many people are interested, but actually don't really know about it that much. Absolutely. You know, when we when we started this, and even you know previously during our time at David German, lab-grown diamonds were still so brand new. You know, they really didn't have any market share to speak of. They were just this thing to keep in you know keep track of, but they were not a, a force in the market. Uh, I believe there was about one percent market penetration in 2018. Today, if you look at it, we're just three years later, and lab-grown diamonds make up roughly five percent of the market. So uh, there's been a rapid acceleration in terms of the overall market share of, of man-made diamonds and, and consumers are, are now adopting them. There, there was this hurdle that has now, you know, since been crossed and the adoption rate of lab grown diamonds is actually similar to that of electric vehicles. So consumers are buying more and more lab grown 
Uh, and, and it's certainly a step in the right direction over mine diamonds. You know, I think to echo some of Dan's earlier sentiments, you don't have to massive, you know, move a, a massive amount of soil from the ground just to, to find one tiny little stone. You're not wasting over 100 gallons of fresh water. You're not emitting carbon dioxide or other harmful contaminants into the air. And, and that's really important. Uh, but then, you know, on the human rights side as well, you're not really... Uh, opening up the opportunity for no one's growing a lab with uh, lab grown diamond with child labor. You know, no one is putting children to work or, 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 you know, playing into these really long, uh, long lasting, like poorly structured sides of, of the industry. You know, making diamonds does not have to be a harmful process anymore. Uh, but even up until now, the, the challenge with lab grown diamonds versus mine diamonds is, you know, the conversation has been roughly, you know, who is more harmful to the planet? We looked at it and said, you know, is there an opportunity for us to, to change that paradigm and not look at it as who is least harmful, but who can benefit the planet? And, and that's what we've set out to do. Uh, Ether diamonds permanently remove pollution from the environment. Every single carrot of diamond we produce is making the planet that much better. And that's really important for us. And, and, you know, we think plays into this trend of consumer adoption. We've had consumers come to us and say, I had previously written off diamonds entirely. I said, I would never buy a diamond. And then I heard about ether diamonds and I had to have one. And for us, that's super exciting because it says that there's a segment of the market that would otherwise not be spending their dollars here. And now, you know, those dollars are going to go towards driving real environmental change. And that's something that we're very excited about. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And that's exactly how I feel, in fact, about diamonds. So I was really very, very curious um, to learn about your company. And uh, yeah, obviously, the whole um, sector is going to move more and more into the lab ground direction. But um, I was just having a conversation this morning, actually, about sustainability and about brands that have the sustainability aspect in their core and that they simply make sure that everybody knows about it and they put all this detailed information on their website so you can, you know, really take informed decisions. And I found this uh, to be true about you. And I found something cool uh, on the website where you talk about the five C's. So we have the traditional uh, four C's of diamonds, and then you add the fifth one, um, which is uh, the carbon sourcing. So can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Sure. Yeah, and, and that's where, so, you know, the fifth C is carbon, as we see it, right? A diamond is pure crystalline carbon. Um, and in the ether diamond, every atom of carbon has recently been in the atmosphere. So it is, it was previously planet warming um, pollution, uh, planet warming carbon, and now it's a beautiful form of carbon on your finger in a piece of ether jewelry. So that is our fifth C, you know, and it's your carbon impact. The average American's carbon impact is 16 tons per year. And so what we've sought to do to kind of drive additional environmental impact is beyond the carbon that's actually sequestered in your diamond is for the sale of every ether, every one carat of diamond we are committing to pulling out an additional 20 tons of carbon from the atmosphere. So by purchasing an ether diamond, you can have a significant uh, positive impact on the planet. Okay, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> Definitely sounds like a lot. And um, there is no common definition of what sustainability 
um, actually means, which, which in fact is the big problem in, you know, sustainable companies and sustainable fashion, which I mostly talk about on this podcast. So can you tell um, the listeners how you define sustainability at Ether? So this is something we've identified as, as a bit of a challenge, not only here in the U.S. market, but globally, because there are no mandated requirements when you use the term sustainability. But we look at it simply through the definition of what that word really means. And we adhere that to our, our business practices. And, 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 you know, what does it mean? Uh, lab-grown diamonds today, traditional regular lab-grown diamonds, they source their carbon from fossil fuels. Those fossil fuels are finite. That is not sustainable by definition. You know, so when we source new materials, we want to make sure that these are renewable materials. We want to make sure that they are responsibly sourced. Uh, this goes through every aspect of the business, including our packaging. Our packaging is made with FSC certified uh, paper. It's it's used with, uh, it's produced with post-consumer paper and can be recycled after the fact. Uh, we use organic wool. It, which is biodegradable in our packaging. So, I mean, it permeates all that we do. Um, we limit the amount of uh, paper, paperwork that we include in our packaging. We try and have you know, as light a footprint on that front as possible. There are certain things that you, you really can't do from a sustainable perspective. For instance, shipping. You're always going to have to ship something and that will always create some greenhouse gas emissions. So we make sure that everything that we do on the operational side of the business, uh, if we are shipping something, if we have to take a business flight, uh, the carbon emissions related to those actions are all offset through external decarbonization work that we do. So we, we make sure that, you know, as a public benefit corporation, you know, we are balancing both our corporate mission and purpose with profit. We would never sacrifice uh, you know, the, the planet or the people on it in order to, uh, to make a profit. And, and that's something that's deeply woven into the DNA of the company. That's amazing. And can you share a bit more about the company right now? Where are you and where do you see it going in the next um, three to five years? Yeah, so Today, so we, we launched the brand uh, officially on December 21st, 2020. Um, and we have been growing our, our wait list online and we're currently growing our capacity to, to fulfill that. Our first orders will actually be going out on the, in the coming weeks. So we're very excited to be uh, fulfilling on that front and, and building our, our manufacturing capacity. Because uh, the way that we see it, you know, the more diamonds that we can sell, the more impact that we can have on the planet, because the more we can invest in decarbonization efforts, which is so imperative to, um, you know, to our future on this planet. Um, you know, I mean, one of our goals is to, as a single company, uh, be able to offset the entire carbon footprint of uh, the diamond jewelry industry. So on a yearly basis, just through our uh, decarbonization efforts. Um, and then going back to where we are now, um, I mean, our wait list, there's been strong demand. Um, currently, we're just over 2.5 million in pre-sales. So really excited about that. Um, I think it's really clear that people um, like what we're doing, especially since that 2.5 million was achieved in just over 19 weeks. So we're thrilled on that front. Um, yeah, right. Anything you want to take off from there? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that actually getting product into the hand of consumers is it's a magical 
inflection point in the life of any company. And, and we've been working on this, you know, pretty tirelessly for, for three years now. So very excited that we are simply uh, just weeks away from putting the first diamonds from thin air into the hands of, of our consumers. And, and hopefully those consumers are just as excited as we are. That's amazing. Congratulations on that. Thank you very much. And you mentioned your um, waiting list. So I'm curious, do you have any data on what kind of people signed up and what are your target customers? Yeah. So what we've done here is, uh, you know, as we've collected people on our wait list and grown that wait list, uh, we've been in close contact with them. And we've what we've learned is that the number one reason people have chosen Ether Diamond is the environmental impact. So 90% of the people on our wait list um, say that that was the, their top reason for purchasing an Ether Diamond. Um, and I think beyond that, something that we've, we've learned, uh, and each of us individually has a story about talking to someone separately who had said that, you know, due to some of the things that we've talked about and the troubles with the mining industry, or, you know, just that regular lab grown uses um, fossil fuels, they completely written off ever owning a diamond. But then when they learned about what Ether is doing, they said, I have to have that. So uh, we kind of see ourselves as market expanding um, in what we're doing. Yeah, that's amazing and uh, very, very exciting. And you make your own jewelry. Can you talk a little bit about the other materials and where do you source those like gold, for example? Absolutely. So right now, the entirety of our jewelry collection is set into Fairmine Gold. And this was an important decision for us. You know, a lot of times people will say, oh, well, what about recycled gold? And similar to this, to the blanket language around sustainability, there are no requirements as to what could be considered, quote unquote, recycled. One might think that recycled gold is the obvious choice. But when you look into it further, it turns out that gold that was procured through harmful means um, and that was used to make some pieces could then have the scrap recycled. And, you know, you can make some new pieces a week later and just because you've recycled that once doesn't change the fact that, you know, it was very recently from non-sustainable, non-responsible sources where, you know, the actual mining practices may have been harmful to the local ecology, uh, where the workers may not have been taken care of to the same degree. Uh, the fair mine standard is really stringent. Uh, it was put together to ensure that these artisanal miners are uh, doing everything that they can to provide for their workers a, 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 uh, a safe working environment, uh, you know, offering things like healthcare um, and, and looking after children. You know, this, this is something that is very important to us because the human rights side of things, you know, are as big a part of the equation as the environmental side of things. So we wanted to make sure that not only were we adhering to, you know, safe practices from a production standpoint, but also, you know, keeping the people in mind. Uh, moving forward, we are already investigating uh, other sustainable metals to integrate into our, our line. Uh, we hope to have that, you know, uh, choice, I should say, uh, for the consumers integrated into our merchandising sooner rather than later. But for now, uh, we're very excited to be 100% focused on uh, the integration of Fairmine Golds into our line. Yeah, that's amazing. And sustainable certifications are, in fact, so important. I agree with you. So because they regulate, in a way, the market, and then you can make sure that yeah, you're sourcing the best possible materials without harming people and the planet. Yeah, um, we want to be we want to be proud of where our things come from. 
Yeah, absolutely. And then we're coming to my last question. I talk about mindfulness a lot on this podcast and uh, because for me, it has a lot to do with living a healthy and sustainable life. So in this sense, does mindfulness play a role for you as founders? And um, can mindful people now buy diamonds guilt-free? Absolutely. And that's what this is all about. You know, for us, I think mindfulness has been baked into the way we run the business, the way we approach every single day here. You know, making sure that we're able to provide uh, a product into the market, not for the sake of, of pure unabashed consumerism, but to make sure that people who are seeking brands that align with their values are able to, to find something as beautiful as a diamond that doesn't require sacrifice. You know, we think that we live in an age where we can have nice things, we can be proud of where those things came from, and, and we can wear them openly and, and tell others about, you know, how we're affecting positive change through our purchasing behaviors. And, and we think that that does align with, uh, you know, the tenets of mindfulness, uh, and, and it's something that will resonate with like-minded people out there. Well, amazing. Dan and Ryan, I thank you so much. It's been super interesting to learn more about the diamond industry and about um, the innovation that you do in this space. So yeah, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Thank you everyone for joining us for this episode. As always, please share your feedback with me um, on Instagram. Of course, you're going to find all the links in the show notes and talk to you next time.